Ian, how are you? Welcome to episode 13 of Hubshots. Hi, Craig. How are you? Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, Christmas thanks. is over, actually. It is. It was a good one. Hey, did you know that we're halfway to being credible now? Really? Yeah. So there was this, um, I'm talking because we've reached episode 13 in our podcast yeah. and I'm looking at some stats from the Content Marketing Institute and I'll just read you this quote. They said, because they analysed the iTunes podcast oh, yeah? library or all yep. the different podcasts and basically they ran some numbers and basically about 50% of podcasters who start out will quit by the time they hit episode seven. Right. right. So, we've re- so we're well, we're well past we're, that. We've covered that one. Then... 50% of those remaining will quit by the time they hit episode 23. If they make it beyond the 25-episode mark, they have a pretty good chance of lasting two years. So we're halfway to, once we get to episode 26, we're halfway to, we'll have actually kind of have have a bit of credibility, I think. So that's, yeah. that's our goal, I think, for the next quarter or so. We want to get to episode that's 26. That's right, we should reach that in the next quarter. Speaking of episodes, you know, I was listening to episode one and two and, um, gee, they make me cringe. Like, I think we've come a long (laughs) way. Do you like reminiscing, Craig? (laughs) I think we've come a long way. But the reason we're raising this is not not to talk about ourselves and how cringeworthy we think we are, but basically the whole goal is shipping it, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can't be perfect. You've got to ship it. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really important, Craig. Like, And I'll take this back to an example. Like if you are rebuilding your website, for example, like I would say ship it and get it out as quickly as possible because you can change it. It's not print. And I think in a print world, you have to make sure everything is working and is correct because once it prints, there's no turning back. But in the online world, we can definitely change stuff as we go along. So change in testing and this ongoing iteration of your website. So I guess it's this growth-driven design, right? It is, yeah. So don't be afraid. Like start with something because, and I'll use this example. I used to work with Ericsson, right? And three. And one thing that three did in its day was they shipped stuff really quickly. Even if it didn't work 100%, they shipped it because they figured if they were the first to market, they could then work out what needed to be done and then adapt and change, whereas making waiting for it to be 100% correct. And I think that's really the key about this. Start and work your way through it because motion or action... Momentum. Momentum will get you going in the right direction. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, the problem is that we often fall back on Apple. You know, everyone uses Apple. They only really ship perfection kind of thing, like it's so polished by the time they release it. Of course, we'd all like to be Apple, but there's realities in place. And yeah, you've just got to um, get it out there. The issue or the 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 important item, though, is that you're always improving. If yes. you get it out there and it's terrible and you get worse, then that's obviously not what we want. We always want to be improving and hopefully we've improved. So Yeah, so we'd love to hear people's uh, comments, feedback and anything we can improve. And I often and we always ask people if they've got any comments and any feedback because, you know what, I want to be the best at this that I can be and I'm sure you do too. And we do that in our business as well. Like it's sometimes the harsh reality of hearing those words, but you know what? They make us better people and better businesses. Good point. All right, on to our shot one inbound thought of the week. Now, we should do the countdown, so it's 45 weeks to yes, go. Yes, maybe we should find a timer that we can stick on our website. 
<laughs> it has a countdown to inbound. Uh, yeah, do the marketing for them. <laughs> so the action item here, the reason we mentioned it is because it's coming into 2016. And so while there's a whole year ahead of you and inbound's not until the end of the year, it's time actually be, to be planning some learning initiatives. So make sure that when you're planning out the year for your company and your business yep. and the marketing initiatives, you actually schedule in some time. Yes. For your own learning, you've always got to be getting your own education improved about online marketing. Yeah, you know what? And knowledge translates to wisdom, right? When you've got that knowledge and you can apply it, you get wisdom. And I think that's the key. Like we need to, and we, I think we do this pretty well, is that we are always seeking out to know what's happening. We educate ourselves. We implement and it was really interesting. I was reading a really interesting email this morning from one of my mentors or the mastermind that I'm a part of, which is part of Perry Marshall, right? Okay, cool. And he was saying, if you can implement 5% of the things you learn, you will be ahead. Again, in this whole 80-20 rule, we need to be implementing at least 5%. We're not beating ourselves up that we're not implementing the other 95 because that 5% can massively change your business and your marketing. So think about what's that 5% that you can change that will make a big difference. All right, on to shot two, our HubSpot feature tip of the week. Now, I thought this was uh, useful to review. It's not necessarily a new tip, but it's something from one of our early episodes just on workflows. Do you want to chat a little bit about workflows? Because we're thinking about 2016 and our goals for next year. And workflows are definitely something that get overlooked. Absolutely. Uh, and I think it's one of those really underrated things that happen. And I I'll tell you what, we haven't used it for ages, but I've really been aware of it and I've started implementing that for our clients. So once we get off the ground, we started implementing workflows. And actually I did one in front of a client the other day and they're like, oh wow, that looks really easy. And now we've automated that part of the system. So again, buying into the whole thing is that, you know, what are these steps along the way that you can actually automate and I guess even narrow down or niche down so you can talk to the right people at the right time and use workflows to do that. And there's a great resource which we've shared before about the 12 automated email workflows you should be using in your business. And you know what? I use that when I started using the system and it is a great resource. Go through, pick out the top three that you're not using and implement that in your business. And then next quarter, pick out the next three and keep doing that. And if you're doing that consistently and reviewing it, you'll be ahead of the competition. And I know you've got a great one that you've been using, isn't that right, Craig? Yeah, so I, I love workflows. And uh, one of the ones that I always look at in terms of, you know, looking to a new year or a new period of time is, yeah, that whole contacting the cold leads and either nurturing them further because they haven't responded or actually getting them out of the database so they actually can clean up the database and just make it more efficient as well. So I'm always about kind of pruning the database back and keeping it uh, clean. So, yeah, that's one of the workflows that's in this HubSpot article that we'll link to, the 12 automated workflows. The other thing I wanted to mention about this, which I think is always interesting, is that this is actually originally a blog post from September 2012. They updated it in October yeah this year 2015 but this the the basic approach hasn't changed no. you know use workflows <laughs> yeah. to automate stuff improve efficiencies yeah. and, and clean up i think the, the key thing is the core message hasn't changed and what happens the tools improved greatly yeah and i know you know that really well because i've only been a user of the system probably for 18 months so i think that's the key it's like we get better tools but the core messages are still the same so go back have a look at it and implement it. 
Cool. All right, shot three, our challenge of the week. Now, this uh, I thought was a, a good article. I, this time it's actually a challenge to people in terms of their thinking as opposed to a challenge that uh, we're currently facing at the moment. But this is actually a blog post, again, not a recent post. This is actually from June uh, this year from Distilled, which are an agency back from my SEO days. I've been following them. And uh, this is actually, it's called Your Hunch is Probably Wrong, The Importance of Testing. And we've just included this link here because Sam Nemza, who wrote it, he's just challenging people to think about what hunches they act on in their business. And I think this is a great action item for marketing managers going into the new year to reconsider all of the assumptions that we have. And they could be things like, well, Facebook advertising, that's a pet one of mine. People dismiss it, their hunch is that it's wrong. Totally, yeah. Whereas data actually proves it can yeah. be very effective. But even things like your content strategy and what you've had a hunch about and things like personas, we have a hunch, this is the persona. It's just, a, I guess, a, um, a reminder to kind of challenge that thinking and uh, reconsider what is actually reality based on data. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Craig. I think... It really highlights the importance of refocusing. And like you'll see this little pyramid where it says hunches at the bottom here. You know, it talks about hunches, best practices, anecdotal evidence, uncontrolled or badly controlled tests. And at the very top is randomized control tests. So I think we often talk about this is about testing and verifying what we're doing and trying to improve about what we're doing. But you know what? It all probably starts from a hunch. It does. Well, that's right. Hunches may not necessarily be a bad thing, but as long as they're actually tested. So that's the action item. Review your assumptions and consider retesting them. Opinion of the week, Craig? All right. So opinion of the week. Do you do you read Mashable? I do. Okay. You yes. like you like Mashable? I, I actually quite like it. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a fun website. I guess keeps me informed. Keeps you informed. Well, uh, they've actually got an, a good article on content marketing predictions. And we did look at this a couple of episodes. <clears throat> and of course, yeah. everyone's doing their predictions. And we've covered a few. But this, I thought, had some interesting insights. I was alerted to this by the... Um, the PNR podcast, uh, they were discussing it. So, yeah, what uh, what did you think about this? Um... So I'll just read a little excerpt of it. Mm. Um, and this is where it says from the list, number nine was focus will shift from engagement to goal-based outcomes. So over the last 12 months, we've seen marketers start to focus away from traditional publisher-centric metrics like page views, likes, uniques, to engagement-driven metrics like attention minutes, right? So this is where people are talking about how long people are spending on sites. Mm. But over the next year, we will see another significant shift to goal-based metrics. For most marketers, this means measuring conversions, whether it's a lead capture or sign up for sweepstakes, emails, coupons, Conversion-based content marketing will get us closer to the holy grail of real marketing ROI. The ones that can measure multi-touch attribution will win. Now, that's a very loaded statement. Mm. (laughs) But you know what? I think this is it. This is where the rubber hits the road and where we need to start measuring conversions and what the indicators we're going to be using in our businesses. And like I was discussing before, you know, how many clients do we actually have and are are we actually leveraging them and are we getting the right measurement out of them? So, you know, go back to a page. I'll use a really interesting example. I had a meeting with a potential customer this morning and one of the things I've done for a long time with with the people that we work with is because we have a lot of businesses that work Australia-wide, one thing we started doing, which I started doing 
which is another idea of a client of mine, was on every page adding a contact form, which is what we did. But he took it further. He said, look, I want to know where these guys are coming from. And I said, well, let's add a post box field, right? Postcode, right. not a post box. <laughs> We're not posting anything here. <laughs> so, you know, it's a matter of people typing in, in Australia, you know, a four-digit number. Right. And you know what the funny thing is? I've done this across multiple clients now. Everybody fills that in because it's really easy to fill in, but gives us an idea where the inquiry is coming from. So if they're based in Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, we already have an idea. So we use that as a way of funneling leads and conversions coming into the system, right? So if it's a purely New South Wales business and we see someone with a postcode from Queensland, we know that that lead's not going to go anywhere because unless we can ship that product to them, it's not going to happen. So it's been a really useful key indicator to businesses we work with as to where leads are coming from. Yeah, I really like that. And uh, I, I guess one of the things HubSpot, I don't know if all your clients are on HubSpot with uh, the zip code, but HubSpot does have like the IP city location yes. and things like that. Now, it's not always reliable depending on how they're connected. <clears throat> so there is that downside. But, yeah, that's another little yeah, bit of data that so can I'll help try, guide that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's great you tell me that because I know that exists. But I think this is taking it down to a more granular level and people aren't afraid. And so I've even been doing this with clients on HubSpot is they I have that postcode field <laughs> and yeah. people are filling it out. Um, yeah, that'd be interesting. I'd love to see the data to see how that compares with IP yeah, City. Yeah, that's a good idea. I, I bet there's a lot of people that are in another location when they fill it out as opposed to the location of their business. There'd be some interesting st- stats yeah, you could run on that. Yeah, you know what, that's that. a great thing, and I'm going to go look at that. <laughs> All right, check it out. Well, just getting back to the overall point, though, um, that, uh, yeah, we were chatting about uh, the whole the, – the focus is really coming back to business outcomes as opposed to vanity metrics. And I think this is a great time to remind marketing managers that whole action item, get yep. – Get your KPIs focused on business outcomes. And that reminds me of when we're looking at the State of Inbound Report and the Content Marketing Institute reports that we're looking at, how leading marketers were very much focused on that ROI. Yes. And so that's really what the best of the best are focusing on. And yep. I guess articles like this on Mashable are just kind of highlighting that in a more mainstream way now. Okay, general tip of the week, Craig. All right. So you know what? January is a great time for just reviewing all your websites and just uh, just like a, a quick audit of things. So um, I don't know if you do this with your clients, but just this, it's a, just a good time to go through checking things like page titles, the on-page optimization and meta descriptions and yeah. content as well. Do yes. you do those kind of yes, reviews? Yes, we do. Yeah. So we've got a really good article here. This is um, from uh, Raven. They provide a reporting tools package. That's uh, uh, really good. We use it with our clients. But they've got this really good uh, post. It's a couple of years old now, I think, on meta descriptions. And I thought this was a really good thing to highlight because now's a good time to review your site, the on-page optimization. Meta descriptions are one of those things that often get overlooked. Very much so. so because yeah. you know what? Again, you've got to actually think about it and you've got to look and go, well, what's content on that page? And how do I write an effective description that will get the user's attention, right? So often when I'm showing people in businesses that don't understand this, I will actually do a Google search and I will actually show them, look, this is the title that on the page and this is the meta description. And why is this important? Because 
someone who has no idea about what's within that page might actually read that and be compelled to click on that link. Yeah, right. So actually we probably should, this is my fault, we should take a step back and actually explain what the meta description is. So just outline, yeah, you see a Google results listing. Yep. And what do you see? The first part you see, which is the link in blue, is Mm -hmm. that's actually the page title. Mm -hmm. And the two lines below it is actually the meta description. Now, if you don't have anything in there, Google will decide what it's going to stick in there for you based on scanning the page. And I know you say sometimes even if you do have a meta description, they might actually still put their own stuff in there in the search result. And so that's really the key. So really look at what you're doing. And, you know, when often you will do an SEO audit or people come up with SEO audits, they'll say, you know, there are duplicate descriptions and titles. Right. And that's what they're talking about. It's this Google is looking at all of this stuff and going, well, this all looks the same. Everything needs to be unique. So spend time and actually get that correct because that's the first point when someone's touching you is that they're going to read. Like you you do a search today on your mobile device, on your computer, that's the first thing you see before you even get to the website. Right. Yeah, so I think it's a really good point. Now, if you don't know what meta descriptions are and we've completely confused you there, we've got a great link in the show notes which walks you through what page titles are, what meta descriptions are and why they're so important to get right. They are two key ways that you can influence what Google shows about your website. So you set them on your website and Google reflects that in the search results. So very useful. All right. So our state of inbound item of the week, we actually don't have one this week, do we? Well, we kind of do, Craig. Yes. (laughs) I guess for us, we've discussed two things. We've, We've discussed state of inbound in the last 12 episodes Mm -hmm. and we've also done the content marketing institute survey so um we're going to put that and i think the like we were saying go back review them we've talked about a lot of things in there a lot of things to do with effectiveness of marketing and engagement and and what it means in our region and you know like content marketing institute it's a pretty small result set but still it's good like it shows that we are on that map there and that they care about us And I think go back and pick out the points and see what you can change for this coming year with your content marketing and the things that you can do to get ahead of the competition. Remember, all you need, it's 80-20. You just need to be better. (laughs) Do the 20% that's going to make the 80% difference. Yeah, I totally agree. So we're going to include links to both those reports in the show notes. And hopefully in this week, you've uh, got a little bit less urgency uh, and with all the challenges mounting up so you can review those reports have a read now craig this is the motivation of the week and i really like this but i'd really love you to talk about because you found this okay so this is a blog post by rand fishkin he's i guess the founder of moz Moz. it used to be called seomoz.com very well known in the seo space and now becoming well known in the general inbound marketing space and they moved from being an agency initially to more of a tools provider now, which they solely focus on. Now, Rand was, I guess he's kind of the well-known face of Moz and he was the CEO for most of the time and he handed over the reins in the last year. And so he's taken a step back so he can focus on what he does best and let other people do what they do best. Now, he wrote a blog post just a couple of days ago where he basically talked about, he's, he's called it my complicated relationship with no longer being CEO. Now, the reason I really liked it, and it's a long post, and the, the, the reason I really liked it is because he just kind of wears his heart on his sleeve. He puts it out there 
and talks about how he's failed and things he's done well and the regrets he has yeah. and things like that. The reason I've, I wanted to include it here as a motivation of the week is because I really like how honest he is. He's quite transparent and he talks about the things he's failed at. Now, people talking about things they've failed at is not necessarily a good thing if they haven't achieved much, right? Yeah. But when you look at what he's done, he's actually achieved quite a lot. He's built a startup from scratch. He's worked really hard. Yeah. He's always, I guess, explained along the way what he's done. And now he's, and he's, it's a successful company, right? This guy is not a failure. And yet he's talking about some of the mistakes he's made. I find that really motivating. And I guess I've, I, I felt my coming away from it, I just felt really that it was a good thing to be honest about your strengths and weaknesses. And I guess if there was an action item from his, it was get help where you need it but excel where you don't. And yeah. so I found it a really motivating post. Absolutely. And I think this is the key, like marketing managers and people in sales, if they can acknowledge what they're good at and what they can do and what they need help with, it makes life a lot easier for them. And they end up getting great results because they can partner with the right people to get the right results. And just imagine like if you are on a winning team, how much better is that to have than just being in a team that's just okay? So, you know, partner with the right people and get the great results that you deserve. Totally agree. All right, on to our resource of the week. And we've got some uh, two interesting links around social. Yep. And so the first one is actually from Raven again, so Raven Tools. And this is their social checklist. So I would encourage everyone, another great action item is go review your social media and see what's working and what's not. And maybe it's time to actually focus on one or two channels, not try to do everything. Don't spread yourself too thin. That's correct. So start with that. And then the next thing actually I'm going to share is actually on HubSpot, it's their social, their daily social media checklist, right? So this is like 20 minutes a day. Here's what you need to do. It's a really simple checklist with some, which is kind of fleshed out a bit more, but it's there to really help people grapple and get this under control. Because it can consume a lot of time. And I'll tell you what, I was talking to another potential customer earlier this year, and this is the marketing manager, and no word of a lie, he probably spent five hours of the day doing social because he was like the traffic police. So he was, you know, talking to the agency that was doing the Facebook, then responding to posts, doing Twitter, doing Instagram. And I could not believe the amount of time he spent doing social, which again, at the end of the day, is it going to sell more stuff or bring in more business? I don't know. You've got to ask yourself that question. Well, if it's not, then you've got to stop it. But if it is, then you've got to focus on it more, right? Yeah. yeah. So I guess your point there is around reporting. It's getting, yeah. measuring ROI from the activities, Focus right? on the data that, and see what's working and do more of that. Become the master of it. And I'll, tell, I'll take this back again. In Perry Marshall in his 80-20 book, is, you know what? There's probably 50 things you can be doing but there's really two or three important things that you should be doing. So again, take that knowledge there and use that applied to social and just focus on the two or three channels that are working for you. Build that up, be strong, be the head of the competition, be the leaders, and then move on to the other channels. I like it. So we'll include those two resources there as well in the show notes. All right, so we're coming up uh, towards the end, and the, but the final item we're going to cover is our podcast of the week, and this is a good daily bite podcast, and you put me onto this one. Yeah, from Chris Handy. Yeah. So thank you, Chris, for all your knowledge and pushing the envelope there. And I, I you know what I love about it? It's short and sharp, yep. and he just uses one tip every day to that you can do, and you can follow him along. So it's on. If you want to go to the website, it's to go.fm. 
And his and podcast called HubSpot to Go, I think. Isn't yeah, it? it's also unofficially. <laughs> the unofficial, yeah. <laughs> HubSpot podcast. Uh, but you know what? Like there are certainly things in there that you can utilize and follow along and implement because the key is actually to implement something. So. Get a ship it. And, you know, I think Chris was actually a bit of an influence on us when we were getting thinking about the podcast as well. I think he raised it and was like, yeah, because he was an example of someone who was just providing value. He was yeah. talking about HubSpot providing value and that's kind of what exactly. we well, hopefully we're doing similar. So thanks, Chris. And also speaking of Chris's, we wanted to shout out to um, Chris Mottram, who's our audio producer on the podcast. Yes. So he takes our recordings and makes them sound okay, (laughs) makes them sound good. So thanks, Chris. Yeah, and so Chris has his own business based in uh, Western Australia, so it's the Motram Media Group. So I encourage you to go check it out. Yeah, we'll put a link to that as well. So that's about it for this show. If there was one thing that we had to finish the show by encouraging people to do, what would it be? Get your stickers. Get your stickers. We still have just a few of our limited (laughs) Limited edition edition. (laughs) stickers. So um, go to our contact page, hubshots.com slash contact. Now leave your address if you want us to send them to you or, or don't. If you'd rather us contact and get to know yeah, you better. We're happy, so, to, yeah. we're happy to call you or email you and get your address. But you know what? Once you've got that sticker, take a picture of it and Instagram it. Yeah. We'd love that. We would love that. All right. Well, All thanks, Craig. Then. Thank you again. This is our In Between Christmas and New Year podcast. It's our final one for 2015. And we shall see you in 2016. All right, mate. See you next week. See you, Craig. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of Hubshots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.